In my search to find some kind of case that has a spooky paranormal type inclination, something that I could tie back into an urban legend of sorts, I've sort of found one. However, just like the last episode, I really should put a trigger warning in this episode because to some, you would say it would be worse than the Black Dahlia case. So I'll start with the urban legend part first, but with a twist. Welcome to Blood and Fire Water. The case we're talking about today is the Hello Kitty murder. Now, Dre, can you tell me what clues that I sent you about this case? You sent me wings. It was the only thing that I could think of that would not give you any clue as to what we were talking about today, but at the same time, clue as there to- was, I, if there was a, so Dre, I would like to play a game. I'm going to tell you three short stories about the origin of Hello Kitty, and I want you to tell me which one is true. Now, if you lose, you have to try this hot sauce that I bought, and you have to try a full serving, which is a teaspoon. This hot sauce, so the listeners know, is called Elijah's Extreme Extreme Regret Hot Sauce. Made with Trinidad Scorpion peppers and Carolina Reaper peppers, which make up a, what's it called? Cocktail? No. Which makes up the Scoville level of in between 800,000 and 1.6 million. Respectively, the peppers make that up. It's like molten lava washing over your taste buds. This description is sourced by Amazon. Scorpion and Carolina Reaper peppers are the first to scientifically test over 1.6 million Scovilles. These peppers are so hot, it will bring your eyes to tears, your head to sweat, and warm you from inside out. We are not getting paid for this plug of this hot sauce, but hey, we are available if y'all just kind of, you know, want to give us some money. Also, tell them to give us some money. Luna Azul, we've been drinking y'all's tequila since episode one, so hit us up. Now, Dre. Rashad. Would you like to play the game? I would love to. I will get So, okay, I get what what happens if you lose. I will eat the hot sauce. I will okay. put I will put the hot sauce on a uh, a piece of pizza and I will eat it. I had wings, but then I ate the wings, so now we just have pizza. Okay. If you win, I will get one cup of milk and this bottle of tequila. Isn't tequila like kind of like an? Yeah, you know it's, what, never it's, mind. it's not going to help. Okay, it's just. But I know how much you hate tequila. I do. So choose your answer wisely. 
The first story goes as follows. March 2020, there were 52 nuclear reactors in Japan. Only nine are active now, and five are in different power plants. To put that in perspective, the United States has 96. Japan is roughly the size of California. So that's a lot of power plants in such a small space. So to promote the nuclear endeavors in the 1970s, the Japanese government needed to invent a character to promote their first reactor being built, as no one in the general public wanted a nuclear reactor literally built in their backyard. They had to think of a way to market it as to gain a popular vote. So they commissioned a company named Sanrio to design a mascot, thus Hello Kitty was born. The image of a mouthless cat was to dawn the stationary advertisements, and literature of the company. And the design was so successful that Hello Kitty grew to be its own company. And everyone just forgot about the nuclear meltdown that was minutes away from everyone's houses. And before you ask, yes, there has been a a nuclear meltdown in Japan as recently as 2011. But the people had Hello Kitty. So, whatever the Hello Kitty noise she makes, there's that. I think it's something like, I think it's like. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first story. There's another story of a mother to a 14-year-old child who had terminal mouth cancer in the 1970s. The doctors at the time did everything that they could, but were unsuccessful in treating the young girl. The mother didn't give up hope. She went from doctor to doctor in search of someone that would treat her daughter. And when that didn't work, she became very religious. She attended church every day in hopes to get Jesus on her side, but her, her daughter's conditions got worse and worse. The mother at her, wit, at her wit's end then started to worship the devil and began to perform satanic rituals. Then one night, the devil appeared to her and told her he would cure her daughter, but for a price. She had to create a cartoon character that appealed to children globally. The image would then trick people into worshipping the devil. So she gave the cartoon pointy ears to mimic the devil's horns and no mouth to symbolize her daughter's inability to talk and named the image Hello Kitty. As Kitty in some Chinese dialects means demon, when children bought the doll, they were basically worshipping the devil. They are welcome the de- they're welcoming the devil into their hearts. Devil worshippers consider Hello Kitty as the daughter of the devil. That's story number two. Story number three, the last story, is that Hello Kitty isn't actually a cat, but a young girl named Kitty White. She's British. <laughs> She's British. She has a twin sister named Mimi, and her birthday is on November 1st, so she's got a birthday coming up. Hey. They have parents who love them dearly, the whole non. She even has a pet cat named Chammy Kitty. The cartoon character was created by Sanrio, a company that marketed cute, adorable characters, and the first image of Hello Kitty appeared on a vinyl coin purse in 1974, where she sat in between a goldfish bowl and a bottle of milk. Representatives from Sanrio had this to say regarding Hello Kitty not having a mouth. Quote, to protect their feelings onto the character and be happy or sad together with Hello Kitty. 
Meaning, whatever you felt, your emotions were projected onto the cat. So if you were sad, the cat was sad. If you were happy, the cat was happy. That's why she didn't have a mouth. Her lack of mouth is to say that she, quote, speaks from the heart. What story do you think is the right story of the origin of Hello Kitty? Well, Hello Kitty was made by a guy. Okay. I know that. So that eliminates the mom mm-hmm. and that eliminates the girl. Okay. So the first one. The first story mm-hmm. with the nuclear reactors and all that? Hang on. Now you're making me second guess myself. Wait a second. Take your time. The first story is about the nuclear reactors. The, sec- mm-hmm. the second story was about devil worship. Mm-hmm. The third story was uh, that Hello Kitty isn't even a, a cat. She's a person. And she has a twin sister and a pet cat. And her birthday is on November 1st. And she's got to go to work in the morning or something. <laughs> she's got a mortgage. Okay. Uh, Yeah, man, let's just go with, let's just go with three. Because it doesn't really say the origin, really. God damn it. You good? Mm-hmm. I yeah. just realized I have to eat this hot sauce real quick. As you can see, yeah. there's a teaspoon on this pizza right here. And I'm about to eat it. And this is about to be the worst thing I've done all day today. And I'm about to try and record an episode after this because you unfortunately got the right answer. Hey, let's get Mm. Yeah, mm. it's starting to kick it. I'm looking at you, looking at me. Oh, man. Yeah? Oh, no. I don't got it. Oh, shit. Okay. No, we got it. We're just going to... Gonna, yeah, we need to push gonna, this through. You're going to roll right through. So, yeah. All of the stories... All of the stories... <laughs> That I told you are, (coughs) they're all, um, my face is so hot. Um, the, the devil, the devil story came from a, uh, uh, email chain. You remember back in the day where people would send fucking those things. The story about the nuclear reactors also, you know, just kind of like some, some dummy shit that kind of just like rolled through. But the story about. Hello Kitty being from England and having a twin sister. <sighs> and um the cat coin purse. Mommy and daddy, all that that's that's all true. That that's that's the way they specifically designed Hello Kitty to be marketed when they first launched Hello Kitty. So there's that. But there is a, a true crime case behind this, obviously, or else we wouldn't be talking about it. This is where our formal trigger warning lies, as this case is very grotesque and gruesome in nature. I only have one other case in our catalog that comes close to this, and that is the Hi-Fi murder case we covered a while back. I don't recommend listening to this case around little ones, without headphones, and not allowed in a public setting, because this case is rather unsettling. So, listener's discretion has been advised. So, this is the first case that I've covered outside of the United States. This case takes place in Hong Kong in 1999. 
In the 90s, Hong Kong was not a very good place. They recently were released from British rule, and that caused a crime wave throughout Hong Kong that police in the area were unable to battle as criminals came into possession of AK-47s, hand grenades, 7.62 pistols, which was no match for the police-issued 38 revolver. They only had six bullets. Also, during the time, Hong Kong was in the golden age of... My mouth is on fire. Yeah, I'm sitting here watching you, bud, and it's just like you're like moving your mouth like you just put coke in it. Also, during the time <laughs> Hong Kong was in the golden era of film, they often glorified the bad guy or the anti-hero kind of thing, making it cool to be on the wrong side of the law, which was inevitably respected. You have my mouth. You got to... You got to ride around in fancy cars, wear expensive clothes and jewelry, get all the girls. At least that's what the movies depicted. No other gang in Hong Kong. No, no other gang in Hong Kong. Hong Kong. I'm just trying to get the words out so fast because like my mouth is on fire. No other gang in Hong Kong demanded more respect than the triads. Like the Yakuza in Japan or the Mafia in New York, the triads are an organized crime syndicate that engaged in criminal activities such as fraud, extortion, money laundering, smuggling, counterfeiting, prostitution, and last but definitely not least, trafficking. Drugs, guns, and humans. So it's a really shitty time to be in Hong Kong because you have cinema showing movies of the bad guys actually winning, so that motivated the people of Hong Kong to go out and start to break bad wielding hand grenades and AK-47s. The triads would rob stores in broad, day- in, broad- in broad daylight, and there was little to nothing authorities could do. I'm just stating all of this as it will tie back in to the end of this case. So, May 1999, a 14-year-old girl who whose name was never released because of her age, so we'll call her Wing. Oh, I, I, see, I see what you did there. Yeah. She went to a police station and searched for help. Night after night, she had been haunted by the ghost of a woman. The woman loosely wore electrical wire that she had been previously bound with and tortured to death. The police told the little girl to fuck off. They were dealing with AK-toting, people-selling, gangster-ass triads at the time. They didn't have time for ghost stories. They told her to go back to work. I mean, this is China we're talking about here. She had to have a full-time job. She was 14. Kids to feed, a family to take care of in it. But then she said, what if I told you I helped kill her and I can prove it? Well, that got their attention. They told Wing, okay, fine, show us this woman. Granted, they're taking the word of a 14-year-old, but nothing in the true crime rulebook says that 14-year-olds aren't capable of the worst crimes in history. So they follow her back to her apartment in the Kowloon district of Hong Kong to an area called Sim Sha Su. As they walk towards Unit Three, uh, my fucking mouth. As they walk towards Unit Three B in an apartment on Thirty One Grandview Road, a very distinct smell became apparent: trash and guns, mostly guns. This wasn't the cleanest district at the time, and it was very clear that a lot of crime activity happened here as it was a rundown area. During that time, people lived in what a social worker would call, quote, inadequate housing, unquote. 
By that, I mean tight, tight, tiny wire cages. <laughs> Did you just mode? Yeah. <laughs> 16 square foot cages that cost on average about $200 US to rent. 16 square feet to rent. You said, you mean like not 1600, 16. No, 16. Like two digits. Yes. $200. But that's not the kind of apartment that Wing and the officers are going to. They arrive to a massive five to seven bedroom apartment. But when Wing and the authorities open the door, only the stench of death lingers. Death and one oversized Hello Kitty doll. The apartment had been emptied, leaving no evidence but the Hello Kitty doll. So they looked at what they had and they left. There was nothing there was nothing there to look at. So we're gonna talk about a woman named Fan Man Yi. Fan Man Yi was a woman that had a troubled past. She had been raised in girls' homes after her family basically abandoned her, which led to a life of petty crimes and habitual drug use. To pay for her habit, she used her body as a source of income. In 1996, while working as a dancer at the Empress Karaoke nightclub, she met her husband and they had a child. It goes without saying that if you're a drug addict, you don't meet and be with someone outside of your habits. So it's safe to say that he was also an addict. The articles about this case I've read, they don't specify what drug or drugs they were addicted to. So I re- researched the most popular drugs in the 90s in Hong Kong. And the list is as follows in order of popularity. Ketamine, weed, MDMA, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, and GHB. If I was a betting man, she was on four of the seven. Coke to wake you up. Molly to dance. Meth to keep you up and GHB not to feel any emotions or her body while she was having sex with strangers. That would be my routine rootin' tootin' cocktail every night. (laughs) With that being said, either way, it sounds like an expensive drug habit, and that's just going to come back to bite her in the ass later. So she lands a gig at a brothel called Romance Villa. It was a nightclub, but it was also a brothel. There she meets a man named Chan Man Lok. Well, by meet, I mean, you know. They party, they smash, they, they do drugs together. They do drugs together, whatever. He had the money to blow because he was a drug lord and a member of the triads. And Fan had a habit that only got worse. Because the more drugs you do, the more drugs you have to do to get that same feeling. So Chan leaves his wallet one day. No big deal. Fan is his top girl. She wouldn't steal from her number one client. That's an obvious drug lord and triad. Well, that day she did. She took his wallet, and his wallet had 4,000 Hong Kong dollars inside, which a the equivalent to $516.12 US. Like, I've heard people say it was like $2,000 US. I was like, I've, I've literally Googled the shit like 10 times, like, Four thousand, four thousand Hong. Just for like inflation and all that. I don't know, but like I googled it more than five times. I was like, four thousand Hong Kong dollars is five hundred and sixteen dollars and twelve cents. Every single time I tried it. All right, let's just run with that. 
But before we go any further, let's talk about meth for a second, as it was her and Chan's party drug of choice. And let me tell you why when you buy anything over the counter that contains pseudoephedrine, you may have your ID checked. It's because it's one of the main ingredients to make meth. Methamphetamine has been around since the 1880s, invented by the Germans. Then Japan used it for their kamikaze pilots to do, you know, in the 50s, the government tried to use it for, they tried to use it for people to lose weight and as like a remedy for depression. I bet it worked too. Oh, like a charm. Then in the 60s, they figured out how to shoot it. Fucking madness ensued. So in the 70s, the government made that shit illegal, but it was too late. Motorcycle gangs, people learned how to make it on the street. Like, they were, it it just ran rampant. Which is why out west, like, banging out west. That's that. I feel like that's that's where that fucking song came from. It's just banging out west because banging is flying for shooting. Shooting. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Now you can shoot it. You can eat it. You can smoke it. You can snort it. But looking at it should be good enough because the reason why they call it ice or crystal is because that's what it looks like: shiny blue or white rocks that you do something with i don't know i've only ever seen meth once and i i wish i never did what are the effects you might ask why yes i did all right violence shadow people confusion more shadow people mood swings the inability to sleep violence meth mouth meth face paranoia violence a skin crawling sensation the inability to sleep more the feeling of being a king I don't know how to describe that. I don't know. That last one's got got my interest a little bit. I mean, it, it piques everybody's interest. It's just like you hold on, bro. Like you're a king. <laughs> like you wait a minute. Yeah, it, for at least like three or four days while you haven't gone to sleep. Yeah. And the, and the last sound effect is more violence. Hmm. According I the last one would be more shadow people. But that's just me, though. According to RehabCenter.com and the guy that lives down the street from me, on average, meth goes for about $80 a gram. The average addict uses about a quarter of it. But let's say it has run its course and you're hooked and you got an eight ball kind of habit. That's $200 US or $1,500 Hong Kong dollars. So she stole $4,000. She's good for like two days. Until she realizes that she fucked up. She should have never stole from a Chinese backstreet boy that was an AK toting people selling drug lord. So she's got to give it back. But Chan already knew she stole his wallet. And he already had a plan to get it back. Now a simple solution would have been to go down to the brothel and ask it if anybody had seen it or if there was a lost and found box. But no. Chan had his goons Leung Xing Cho and Leung Wai Lun, who I will refer to from now on as Bebop and Rocksteady, to get her... Bebop and Rocksteady? Yeah. That's what you go with. Yes. That's the code names. Bebop and Rocksteady. Because I don't feel like slaughtering their names anymore. I can't can't say those. Or you could have just... My mouth is... Bebop and Rocksteady. It's from the Ninja Turtles. Get, Get with it. 
at the time Fan was pregnant and she wasn't out there just getting it and using drugs anymore. But to come up with the money, she had to do something, so she went back to what she was good at until she came up with the money. So she got the money back. She got the four grand, gave it to him like, huh. Then she gave him $10,000 on top of that. Like, huh, I've been out here getting it. Really? But Chan had to make an example out of Fan, and he told her that she was still in the hole, and she needed to come up with another $16,000 to get out of the hole. So he's already, he, she's already given him $14,000. Homeboy wants sixteen more. That's $30,000 30, $30, because she stole four. On the 13th of March, 1999, Chan sent Bebop and Rocksteady out again to kidnap fans. So I feel like, I feel funny saying Bebop and Rocksteady. I just want to put... Do you? I do. do. you feel funny? I do, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> he, sent, he sent Bebop and Rocksteady out to kidnap fans so that he could put her in his stable of hoes as to get the money back faster. They bring her back to Chan's apartment, which was filled to the brim with Hello Kitty merchandise. The dishes were Hello Kitty, the furniture was Hello Kitty, dolls, curtains, posters, even their gun. You remember the little dangle thing on Call of Duty? Hello Kitty. Now, Hello Kitty was fashioned towards children. Why would this meth-dealing, people-selling, AK-toting, triad gang member have all of this in his house? Not because he was in the Hello Kitty, that's for sure, but little girls love Hello Kitty. If you're picking up what I'm laying down. Oh, God. So, my man probably sold children. Probably did more than just sell them. She's in the apartment. Then, everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> you have time to think about these things before you say them. Yes, I and do. you still... Okay. Putting her on the team went out the window... After Bebop and Rocksteady got high, and then... (laughs) (laughs) Putting her on the team went out the window after Bebop and Rocksteady started to give her those hands. They got high, like meth high, then just started whooping ass. According to Wing, she saw Fan get kicked in the head over 50 times. Uh, When their hands got tired, they turned to using household items like chair legs, pipes, Hello Kitty toys, just whatever they can get their hands on. Now, I don't know about you, but Gator don't play no shit. His bitches better be wearing jimmies. They better not be bruised up. However, Fan was not in good shape after Bebop and Rocksteady got a hold of her. So, she's no good on the street. Nobody's Nobody's going to pay for a battered pregnant woman. Not on that side of town, at least. So, Bebop's plan was to keep her off the street. They boarded up the window so no one could see in. Then he told Fan to put her hands on a table. They were then tied down, and then he broke every single one of her fingers, smashing them with a hammer. Then they poured boiling hot water on her feet to prevent her from escaping, or at least slowing her down. Because I would have ran. I don't give a fuck about my feet if I'm trying to get away from you. Then they got creative. They started melting plastic straws and Hello Kitty cups and water bottles 
and dripping the molten plastic onto her blistered feet and told her to smile about it because if she, if she didn't, they beat her even more. While the wounds from her melted plastic and boiling water blisters were fresh, they then poured, poured, poured chili oil and oyster sauce into her wounds and the burns and the blisters and then beat her feet for reassurance that she would not leave. For entertainment, they would make her sing and dance with her limp, battered body and blistered feet. Wing said, quote, It was a game they played. If she didn't pretend to be happy, they would beat her harder. They told her to smile while they burned her. It was a fun atmosphere, unquote. Uh, she said what now? It was a game they played. No, no, the la- just the last part. Oh, it was a fun atmosphere. Okay. Yeah. This is a 14-year-old girl saying that. When that wasn't entertaining anymore, they strung her up with electrical wire and suspended her body from the ceiling, leaving her hanging there for hours, if not days, while they retired to play video games and smoke meth and masturbate. Well, it was the only way to keep her from scratching her blisters off, too. So, you gotta hang her from the ceiling so she can't get to them. Now, Fan didn't get bathroom breaks or food in between beatings, so you would imagine there's piss and shit everywhere. But, Bebop and Rocksteady did, and they used Fan as the toilet. They would urinate in her mouth, and if she spit it out, guess what? More beatings. Then Wing recalls when she saw the men doing this, she thought, I better kick this up a notch. So she pooped in a shoebox and then made Fan eat it. When she didn't eat it, they poured it into her open wounds. So, infection. As she drifted in and out of consciousness, they spoon-fed her meth and burned the bottoms of her feet with lighters as to keep her awake, basically. They bit her nipples off and beat her with pipes while body shaming her because she couldn't make their money back. Money that she already paid back. Six times fold. Numbers are hard. Either way, this kind of torture treatment would only last for so long. This went on for about a month. Mid-April, Wing went into the bathroom where Fan had been for days and discovered that Fan had died. Fan's face was bloated, she was orange in color, and the smell was real. She told Bebop and Rocksteady, so now they had to come up with a plan to get rid of the body. The gang went out and played video games at a nearby arcade to discuss what they should do. Then then they came back to the apartment and slept on it. According to Wing, the men waited between one and three days before doing anything about it. So, fans just laying in this bathroom for like three days. Like, I, I guess you can say like three days. While they were just like, what should we do? So police showed up. But it wasn't for Fan. They were investigating a rape in the same building. So the ragtag bunch freaked out. Now they really, really gotta do something. Then the HNIC, you know what that means, right? Head ninja in charge. I can't stand you. Oh my god. Chan came home to find a deceased woman in his bathroom. High off his rocker, he called the trio into the bathroom and told him, quote, Now she must be destroyed, unquote. 
So for the next 10 hours, while high on meth, they drained the body of blood, dismembered her body in the bathtub by hand, and boiled a large majority of her body parts on the kitchen stove. Chan then cut her head off while the gang boiled and stripped her skin from the rest of her body, put it in sandwich bags, and then placed it in the refrigerator. Obviously, there was a smell. Wing woke up one day to Chan handing her bags of intestines, a heart, liver, lungs, and the rest of her innards, and he told her to boil them as well to help to reduce the smell. Now, where we're from, in the south, chitlins are a thing here. When you boil them, it creates the worst smell you have ever smelled in your fucking life. I can't even imagine what a boiled rest of a person smells like, let alone just the intestines. So, I can only put it in two words. Bad, bad. That's what the kids are doing nowadays. They're just saying the same thing twice. So it's like, bad, bad. But Chan had his hands full. I mean, he was already busy. He was in the process of boiling Fan's head. Like, he's already got... He's He's busy. <laughs> Hey, I'm busy here. I got it. <laughs> this was a 10-hour process. Manually sawing a body into pieces, stripping the skin off, so you could imagine the gang got pretty hungry in the process, so they cooked some noodles using the same pots and utensils they used to cook fan with. Once her internal organs were done, they threw them out of a window, landing on the canopy of a shop next door to where they lived. So nobody just sees, like, this dude just throw out, like, a, a handful of intestines just out the window? Oh, it gets worse than that. So, stank. The rest of her limbs, teeth, hair, and such were wrapped in newspaper and disposed of in various dumpsters around the city. All of the other leftovers were fed to stray dogs throughout the city. She would never be recovered, except for her skull. For whatever reason, Chan decided to hold on to it, but he knew he had to get rid of it someday. But if any, because if anyone found the skull, it would be a dead giveaway of a dead giveaway. You, you happy about that? It would bring unwanted attention <laughs> that they did not need. So what Chan did was he cut open one of the several Hello Kitty dolls that he had in his house. This one in particular was an oversized mermaid Hello Kitty doll. He cut open and unstuffed the head, then restuffed the doll with Fan's partially boiled skull and re-sewed it up. Then they abandoned the apartment. Weeks later, officers would respond to a complaint about a terrible smell coming from the apartment, obviously. Upon entering the residence, or what was once a residence, and now is a fucking nightmare, the investigators kicked the doll to the side because it's just a doll, right? There's, n- mm-hmm. there's nothing in there. They noted the smell and how it was stank, and figured it, <laughs> and figured it came from all the trash that was left behind. About another month passed before Wing made her initial confession to the police, and on May 24th, 1999, Wing confessed to a social worker that she was an accomplice to a horrible crime. Two days later, they returned to the apartment, and Wing told them that they would find all the evidence they need to prove what she said to the police a month ago in the Hello Kitty doll that was leaning up against the wall in a still-abandoned apartment. 
Investigators used an iron pole to poke the doll, and all of their worst fears were answered. They retrieved the bag of guts from the shop next door on the canopy that had been there for months. So, stank. <laughs> the par- <laughs> they found the partially cooked skull. Uh. Did they just give up? Because you, you keep saying, like, partially. So the, were they just like, yeah, I think it's I about feel like done. it would take. I feel like it would take a long time to cook a skull. It's not like cooking hand bones or anything like that. You think so? I don't. I don't want to think about it. To be honest with you, just like hmm, how long would it take to cook a human skull? The partially cooked skull contained a single tooth from the Hello Kitty doll. They found the pots and pans they used to boil the body parts, utensils used to cut her up, and a small freezer full of various body parts. The arrest was quite simple. They went down to the rent office and asked who was the previous tenant and went straight to Chan Man Locke's residence where he was cooking dinner with his wife and son. And he was arrested. Straight to jail. Bebop turned himself in while Rocksteady made a run for it but was soon discovered by a security officer six months later. The confession by Wing, as disturbing as it was, the trial was not an open and shut case. All they got from Fan, as far as evidence, was a skull, a tooth, and some stomach contents. The boiling of the skull riddled all sources of DNA, so they couldn't definitively say that it was Fan. They had the word of a 14-year-old girl. That was it. They used a process new to me called photo superimposition which is a process in which they cast the skull, restructure the face from a picture, which to me sounds really hard. Like, I don't, I don't know how they, they pulled it off, especially in the early 2000s, but... Would they use clay? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And that gave, that gave them an 80% match. So it wasn't like 100% sure, like, hey, this is her for sure. Then prosecution struggled proving death because they had no body. Sure, they found some stuff, like, some stuff, like, I hate to be ever referred to as, like, hey, we didn't find Rashad, but we found some stuff. (laughs) Of his. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? They didn't know, like, yeah, sure, the men involved in the case were like, yeah, we tortured her. We tortured this woman for about a month, but we didn't kill her. She killed herself after doing too much meth, is their story, and they stuck to it. After the court settled on the fact that there was no way to prove cause of death, and the testimonies were all that they had, what was once a murder charge turned into manslaughter. Wing was given immunity for her testimony, and the three stooges were given life with the possibility of parole in 20 years. This case happened in 1999. It's 2020. They're up for parole in December of this year. The paranormal events of this case are quite disturbing as well. During the trial, when they brought in the pots and pans that she was cooked in, Fan Man Yi was cooked in, the lights in the courtroom began to flicker and the room began to stank. Just tell. The apartment building as a whole began to empty out as tenants moved reporting a ghost of a woman in the hallways 
and Hello Kitty dolls appearing out of nowhere. Several residents reported hearing a woman cry in different stairwells, but when investigated, no one would be found. Shops across the street picked up several moving shadows with no person being nearby. The apartment complex was demolished September of 2012 and turned into a 16-story hotel. Two movies would retell the tale of Fan Man Yi. One movie is titled, in very, very loose translation, Human Pork Chop, and the other... (laughs) And the other... There's a secret in my soup. Both released in 2001. So that is the Hello Kitty case. I am so glad I got to try that hot sauce. It was hot at first, but it, it wasn't that bad. I would try it again. I would put it I would put it on with some wings. I I personally think this case is a, a little bit worse than the Black Dahlia case, but to each his own. I mean, the Black Dahlia got cut in half pretty bad. But like at least she wasn't tortured for a month. And then made into stanky soup. <laughs> stanky soup but again there there the the paranormal element to the case and the case itself and it being tied to such a famous character like hello kitty it kind of just was like you know what i'm gonna just like rock this case real quick and we'll see what happens because at the same time i'm trying to I'm trying to get to Halloween so bad, but like there's so many cases that are just horrible that it's just like you want to do so much more research into them, but you don't you don't have enough time. Like so next year, I'm going to just have to like start and write. I'm at to start writing Halloween cases like in June. Basically is what I figured out. You know what's kind of crazy to me about that whole thing? I, I don't know. Something that kind of stuck out to me. What? did from what it seemed like, they did everything to this girl but rape her. Oh, no. There was rape. Okay. Because you said the way they got I just, high and I masturbated. Just, I didn't, I didn't want to. Like, it was already enough. But, yeah. Gotcha. That, they, 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 I, I said, um, I, I don't think I said it, but um, it was reported that they bit her nipples off. No, I heard that. And ripped her vagina open. No, I did not. I did not hear that. Okay. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Like they beat her to the point where nobody would you you're not going to pay for that. It's like she'd just be out just like dance. <laughs> anybody want to anybody want to dance? I feel so bad because like I've seen those human trafficking movies that they have on you know your respective streaming sources or whatever and it's just <laughs> like bro like you want to be like an advocate for that type of thing, and I like one person I do Wait, an advocate for human trafficking. Not not for it, but against it. Oh, so like at, to the average person, there's nothing you can do. Like you can't just go out there and be like, "Are you have you been trafficked? Have you been trafficked?" <laughs> That's a lot of valid questions, though. Hey, have you been trafficked? And no, I told you about when I was talking to Lucy one day. She was like, let's talk about sex. I was like, oh, yeah? And then she was like, trafficking. I was like, oh, no. We were talking about doing that bit for the Black Dahlia, but I was like, that's not. Yeah. It's not appropriate. And she's like, this <laughs> this woman was bi. And you're like, uh? And then sected. And you're like, uh. Oh. <laughs> we, we are never going to talk about this again. Um, Absolutely. 
Follow us on Instagram at Blood and Firewater Podcast, Twitter at BFW Pod Squad, and Tumblr at Blood and Firewater Podcast, maybe. Um, we just dropped our first Patreon episode. Be sure to at least check it out. Like I don't I don't really care if you don't join or not. Just just look at it and see if you're interested. We have tiers where you can just join for a dollar. You can hear our extra episodes. Five dollars gets you some stickers and some buttons and some all all that great shit. But like twenty bucks, I'll send you a sweater or a hoodie, or a sweater or a hoodie, maybe a tote bag, maybe all three. But you also get listed as a producer of the the show, and we will announce your name at the end of every episode. So just check it out. I think it's Patreon backslash Blood and Fire Water Podcast. I think I found Ooh. I think I found it this time. So, yeah, I found it. Yeah. Okay, so Dre found it. Um, other than that, all the housekeeping's done. All all of our dishes are clean. Was that? What are you talking? No, you say dishes. Dishes, housekeeping. Yeah, stuff like. Yeah, that? I got, I got that. But about the, I mean, the story literally is just. No. How they cl- you know what? Never mind. No, we're not. We're just, you were not. We are never going to talk about this again. Okay. This is one of those brain dump episodes where we just don't talk about us talking about this again. Okay, I'm asleep with all my lights on in my home tonight. I don't really. So you? No, you got plenty of guns. You don't got nothing to worry about. Yeah, I do. So, stay alert, stay alive. Dre, you good? Oh, I'm great. I'm out. I'm gonna see.